Good morning. It is January 2nd. Let me get this right. 2021. It is Manchester is burning. This is your instant, not so instant reaction to Manchester United 2, Aston Villa 1. Yesterday on New Year's Day at Old Trafford. All right. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, and I hope you are, but you can listen to this podcast on Spotify and other podcast platforms out there, including Anchor and Google and all lot, please feel free, feel free today as an individual person with free will, open mind, please consider giving this podcast a five-star rating and a review if you do so i will read yours out loud on this cast give me a five-star review that will help this podcast grow this video blog grow by leaps and bounds this is truly ground mud georgia red clay level stuff here so we're trying to build something here. So let us let us do that. Let's do that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, there are a couple of shout outs before I begin the main topic of United against the Villa. Against the Villa. Yesterday, two shout outs. One, let me start off with Edison Cavani. Now, I mentioned I had a whole cast about this. Edison Cavani using a offensive and sensitive word. It is racially offensive and insensitive and ill-advised being charged by the English FA for using that word in a social media post in response to one of his friends. I did call for, at the time, a ban. It took the FA forever. I understand there's some due process, legal wranglings and things like that, but this could have been done a lot quicker, but eh, whatever, whatever. Cavani is given a ban. It may end up being very fortuitous for everyone involved, but nonetheless, there was a three-match ban, a 100,000-pound fine, and a required educational class. Now, I said in the response to the... Cavani situation initially that he should be given a ban, but I said that three matches was too much. Why? Because of Mendrea. Mendrea is the criminal mindset, the mindset of doing something that is illegal, improper, inappropriate. Cavani did not have that mindset when he used that offensive, insensitive word. In his culture, it is a word that is meant for endearment. However, he is not working and employed in that culture as we as we know. But I thought without intent to harm, without intent to be insensitive, without that intent, I thought it was ill-advised to give three matches of a ban. However, there is such a thing called legal precedent And in the past, in similar situations or not so similar situations, it had been a three-match ban. And so be it. Here it is. I think Bernardo Silva of City got a three-match ban for his uh, tweet uh, regarding one of his own teammates. Okay, so precedent is set. 
three matches, I still think is, is harsh, but I understand. I get it. Here's a second shout out. And I want to talk about value. Now, let me define value this way. Something of value is something that is tangible and intangible and, or intangible or both that you wish to obtain or maintain. Obtain or maintain. So let's say your career, your job, your relationships, your dog, your hamster, your car, your iPhone, your house, the clothes on your back, the food on your table, the table that it sits on, your reputation, your friendships, all are things about your life. Most importantly, in your children's life, in your family's life, are the highest things of value, hope, unless you're a total sociopath. But that's a whole nother day. But those are things intangible, intangible of value. Now, so you try to obtain them or maintain them. All right. So let's just equate this to football. Let's equate this to soccer. Soccer. All right. So what is the job? What is the primary value of a professional football club? Question mark. Well, in actuality, it is to make money. I know a lot of you altruistic football mob people and a lot of football fans in general, they don't want to hear that because of the, of the historical roots of the game, the, the societal historical value of the game in Europe, particularly in England, its grassroots or, uh, origins, and churches and factories and mines and things like that, of the walkers and the proletariats and all that. But in, here we are. This is 2021. And the primary value of that a football team, a soccer team should be maintaining or obtaining is money. Now, here's the thing. Because if the club don't have money, it will not survive. It will not be successful. It will not be able to pay its players. It will not be able to pay the staff and the coaches and the people that work behind the scenes. It won't, won't be able to survive without money because that money is a thing that can be traded for other things of value. Okay, so now let's bring it on, even dig a little bit down deeper. Okay, so we look at now January 1 is the start of the transfer window. Now, some of you who are not soccer fans, let me explain the transfer window. This is a this is a time for one month during the winter where football clubs can essentially pay another club for the services and the opportunity to put another player on the other team on contract for them. So let's say one team say, okay, they want to play on another team. They go to that other team and say, hey, for the right to sign your player to a contract to play for us, we will pay you X amount of money. Okay. That's the transfer period. It is one month during the winter. We will see. We will see the true colors of what Manchester United and Manchester City and other clubs in England are trying to do, what their primary value is. So what is the business's 
How does a business make money? Well, hopefully it is by making a product that is of value to other people, right? So a soccer team, they play well on the pitch. They win matches. They, they get titles and silverware and everything else. They're entertaining to watch. They're fun, all that other stuff. That, that fans is experienced with that team and the team and the fans pay money. They trade value for value and there you go. So that's how it's supposed to work. Now, here's what ha- what's going on here. So with Manchester United, they have an opportunity now, and I'll talk about it later, to win a title, win silverware this season. They have a chance, a rather decent chance. But the glazes, the looters that they are, who want to to basically use the club as an ATM, their value only is not in the product being good. Their value is just making the money no matter how it's made. (laughs) They have no interest in the product being any good because they know that people will buy it anyways. But people are still buying it. They know that. So it don't matter how good the product is to them. They're going to make their money anyways. So they're going to take their dividends out anyways. So the point is, is that the product don't matter. So the primary aim for the Glazer looters is to make money regardless of how it's made. Regardless of taking money out of the club, it don't matter. They're looters. It doesn't matter the product. So I doubt they're going to spend any money to make the product better so they can win the silverware because it's to them the silverware don't matter. Now that is a complete backwards way of thinking. Totally backwards. Other clubs, they understand that in order for them to make money, the product has to be great. And so they go out and invest to make the product better so that it is a thing of massive value to fans that they will want to pay money, watch them on TV, spend on merchandise, tickets when they're able to get tickets to come back, blah, blah, blah. They want to make the product good. And win the silverware, win titles, jump up and down, have confetti all around. So to teams like Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City, and others, the goal is make the product great. The money then will come. Make the product great, then the money will come. And then we invest that money to make the product better. That is how a true business works. That's how a true, good, run soccer team, football team works. When you have the primary value, make the product better, knowing the money will come versus don't care. Money only is a primary value we're trying to achieve. Don't matter how good the product is. Everyone's a bunch of lemmings, blah, blah, blah. That is why I admire City and Chelsea and so forth, because they are professionally run football clubs who understand that we got to invest, 
We got to make the product better. And when we make the product better, people are going to want to watch. They're going to want to spend. They're going to want to do this. And then we reinvest that money and then make the product even better. That is how a good business is run, not as an ATM machine. I am out with this shout out. And let's go talk about United and Villa before I blow a complete gasket about this issue. Welcome back to Manchester is Burning. This is your instant, not so instant reaction to Manchester United and Aston Villa. There are so many talking points here about this match. This, this podcast you go on forever and ever and ever. And my mind can be like that hamster in a wheel and that wheel just keeps on rolling and rolling and rolling. I could just keep on talking and talking and talking and run out of breath, turn blue, hit my head on the table. And that's the end of the podcast. But no, I'm not. I'm going to try not to do that today. My man, there's two points. Man, there's a lot of points I want to make. So I want to say a couple of things first. So while watching this match. Someone on delay because I had it recorded and I got some, you know, it's New Year's Day and everything. Got a puppy and a work and all this other stuff because, you know, this podcast don't pay me anything yet. So I got to work on New Year's Day. I got a puppy. Brown puppy. So I had to work on that. So my heart, though, was my heart was in my mouth the, most of the entire match watching this United Villa match because Villa is a really good team. I told you all, I told every single one of the four people that listened to this podcast the other day, I told y'all, I said, I worry about Aston Villa. Aston Villa is a better put together club. They are more offensively minded. They got Jack Grealish, who's probably got the best hair in the entire English Premier League. Hands down. I would worry because they're good. They're really good. And they played really well in this match. And I knew they would. They're in fifth place. They're in a European slot right now. So look at they're playing well. And this team barely made it out of the drop at the end of last season. They're really good. So my heart was in my chest because I knew, I knew, given the uh, the frailty. The, the, the glass shatter easily thing of Manchester United's back line, the tree. I, I knew that it got to be with the quality against the trees that there was going to be chances. And there were. My normal heart rate when I'm sitting down is about 65 beats per minute. While I was watching that match, I, I looked at, looked at my, my, my device and it said 77. 77. Next thing, I, another, another thing I want to say, that there was a movie back in the 80s. Let me drop a bomb, a cultural bomb on people. It's a movie in the 80s where it was called Major League. It was about a baseball team that the owner was so horrible, was trying to use the team as an ATM. Sound familiar? And so the, that owner decided, okay, to, to be able to sell the team, to make my money or whatever, I'm going to make the team as worse as possible. So I'm going to sell off everything. And I'm going to have a bunch of slugs and trees and shrubbery playing baseball. And then what happened was, is that team actually became a team. They gelled. They had chemistry. They had mentality. They came together. And I said, you know what? It went to the, they said, did I own a? I said, you're not, I, you know, I know you don't give a rip about us. I know y'all don't care. I, I'm, we know you want to use the club as an ATM machine and take your money and run away. But you know what? 
blank, whatever word you want to use, you. Because we are going to be a team and we're going to win to spite you. That is Manchester United right now. Manchester United is the Cleveland Indians in Major League. Why? Because despite the ineptitude of leadership, the lack of leadership above the team, the club, it's not the actual players, they're going to win regardless. They have that mentality. My first point is that mentality. Did you see at the end of the match, talk about mentality monsters, mentality merchants, and, and that, that Liverpool reaction the other day that only like two million, two, not two million, but two people heard and a cockroach heard because no one listens to anything on a, on a New Year's Day. I said something about, you know, Liverpool was the mentality merchants and mentality monsters and everything else. But guess what? United is the mentality monsters, at least right now. You see that scene where the club just mobbed Eric Bale? Bale. I'm going to learn how to pronounce this dude's name right eventually. But you see that scene at the end of the match when he made that killer block to make sure that that ball at the last second didn't get to the head, didn't get into the goal to draw the game. Do you see the mob scene? Everyone mobbing him, knowing that he saved their you-know-what? That was chemistry. That is a team that now believes in itself. There are moments. That was the moment. You saw the moments early in the season, little tidbits here and there, little, little puppy treats here and there. But no, you saw it. You saw that mentality. That energy, that drive, that no matter how tired we are, no how tired our minds are, we are going to play our hearts out and we're going to have a mentality that's going to be a winning change mentality, a mindset for change. To change the script, rewrite it. Because the Glazer looters, when they want to write the script, Ed Woodward want to write the script so they can take their dividends out. But no, the team, the players on the field, the coach, the managers, they're going to be like, nah, we're going to do this our way. We want to win. We're close now. We want to win. That's the first time I've seen that out of a United team in years. Years. I don't remember. My mind is a blank on that. That's the first point. Second point, let me go back to ballet again. Ballet and De Gea, again, men of the match. I cannot separate the two. Ballet, again, he is a fast, quick, pacey center back. And he made the plays. He was all over. He was reckless at times, but he was fast and tracked, marked, did what he needed to do. Six clearances led the team. Six clearances led the team. He now, he see, instead of having a tree in McGuire and a shrubbery like Lindelof, where then every, the line for the defense backs up because it's a tree and a shrubbery, don't move. You now have a tree, McGuire, and you have a jackrabbit or something like that. You have a rabbit going all over the place, pace, fast, move, tackle. Clear, run, 
all over. So with that being said, he was he has changed that dynamic for that defense, where that defense now becomes an offense. De Gea made incredible saves because there were moments, there were chances that Villa had, and De Gea saved again. De Gea saves again. I can't count how many times he made a great save, chipping the ball away, knocking the ball away, knocking it out for a corner and in the end, that he saved that match. Men of the match again, De Gea and Bailey. It should have been Mob and De Gea too, but recency bias is <laughs> ballet. You know, they hug him, jump on him. Third point stats. Let's look at the stats again. I, I told you one stat. I told you the one stat of uh, uh, ballet, six clearances, key, very key. XG for United, 2.46. They had a lot of chances. They had a lot of chances. 2.46 XG for them. Two goals. Could have converted more, but that was better. I think they had better opportunities. I'll, I'll be more specific in a second than in the Wolves match and the match before that where they should have scored more goals. Aston Villa's XG was 1.56. One goal. Now, the De Gea magic, the defensive magic, and so forth cut down those chances. Because Jack Grealish, oh my gosh, if he was on a team that had better players, that dude, oh my gosh, I don't know what that dude would be. I don't know. He's going to end up at City or Liverpool or, or United or somebody. Uh, someone's going to put up triple-digit millions for him because he's, he is magic. He is magic. And when you put on, if you put him on a team with a bunch of other players that are near his skill set, near his level, uh, yeah, if Grealish was on United, they'd win the title. They'd win the title. Other stats. United's PPDA. I've talked about this. This is the average amount of passes that a team allows their opponents on average, in their defensive zone. High line. I talked to you about the high line. Bailey allows United to play a higher line, which is what they did, a higher line. And it showed in their numbers, in their objective numbers. Subjectively, you saw it, and objectively, a PPDA, the only average allowed Villa an average of 7.6 passes in their zone before defensive action. That is a higher line. That is a more pressing. That's probably the lowest that United has had all season, 7.61. They really pushed it. Now, Aston Villa did this, did close to the same. Their PBDA is 10.7. They, they were pushing it too. But United mean at 7.6. This is the tactic. A higher line, press, counter, do whatever. There it is. When you have... Hamster or whatever animal you want to say is fast and pacey and slightly reckless with a tree in the set in the center back positions, you're able to play a little bit more versatility. There's a there's a little bit less solidity, but there's more versatility, more flexibility with a defense like that, where then you can press, 
you can push up with that line. You can push up. And when you push up with that line and you get a ball, then you can go counter, fast break, whatever. Here's another thing, another stat. If I remember correctly, let me let me look this up real quick. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. Um, how many fouls did United have? How many fouls? 28. Okay. 28 fouls to 13. There's something called tactical fouling in soccer. That's when you purposefully foul people. Remember back when Shaquille O'Neal was playing basketball and it was called uh, Hack-A-Shack? You just, instead of letting him just slam the ball on you and, and run you over, you just hacked his arm. So you put him on the foul line and the free throw line and then he misses. Well, basically in, in soccer, you have the same kind of concept sort of. You purposefully foul during another team's possible scoring opportunity to keep them from shooting on goal and a good having a good chance. You just purposely foul them to physically just change dynamics. So then, yes, you give up a free kick, but then you can defensively set up. You can defensively set up so you're not you know, in a situation where you are, you know, doing an overlap or the numbers aren't in your favor on defense, you purposely foul to set yourself up. Now, if you do it right, these free kicks don't hurt you. Now, if you do it right in front of your goal, you got a problem. Okay. So there's some recklessness there, but committing 28 fouls, I I will bet you that this was on purpose. Grealish is one of the most Fouled people on earth because he's magic. Foul the dude. Just foul him. <laughs> Just foul him. Why? Because you stop him from making, creating an opportunity. So you purposefully go after him to do that. And so United committing 28 fouls to me, that was on purpose. That was on purpose to commit that many fouls. It's not dirty. No, do not tell me. Do not come at me that it was dirty. It's not. It is a tactic. It was a tactic, a defensive tactic. Everyone does it. But this is one of the first times I've seen United do it so proficiently, though. That's the thing. I swear that that when Matic was put on the field, on the pitch, he traded out for McTominay, who was losing Grealish. I swear, Maddox's job, I think, purposely was just to go out and physically manhandle people. And I will tell you to this day, I mean, I'm going to go on a tangent again. I'm sorry. Segway time. Every football team needs a dude that in hockey terms is a goon. (laughs) Now, in hockey terms, goon, you put that goon on the ice and he or she goes out and man or woman handles whatever people to physically intimidate and have a presence to just short circuit that other team, draw them in to unwanted behavior. In soccer, the same thing. Every team needs one. Maddich is one of those dudes. You got to have a dude who's willing to just be physical. And if that means elbowing someone in the face, tackling them, being a little reckless, that's what Maddich, I think, I swear, that, that was the instruction. Cousin Ollie, he was like, all right, what I want you to do is I want you 
just run him over. <laughs> I can't do an Ollie impression. Cousin Ollie, you got your tactics right, man. You got them right. You played this right. You are learning. Just keep at it. I, I, one of the things I admire about Ollie, Cousin Ollie, is right now he is displaying level five leadership. He is quietly humble, unassuming, not very charismatic, not jumping up and down on the pitch, being like Pep, being a Kloppo, whatever. He's just eyeing everything, quiet, humble, has some humility about him. And moments he'll come up and say things like, we got to play out the game better. All right. But in the back room, he is steel. His perseverance in the tempest that is being a Manchester United manager with everyone doubting you, he has quietly persevered through iron will. That is level five leadership. And you know what? Regardless of what the players think about his tactics, his experience, or whatever, I don't think it matters now. Why? Because they see his perseverance. They see that no matter what, he has the will. And I think that's how players are buying in. All right. So tangent, no tangent. I don't even know what that was, but it was what it was, right? Fuzzy wuzzy. Was a wuzzy. Manchester United now sits... In second place. I'm not going to say they're co-leaders. I'm not going to say anything like that. They're in second place. The reason why they're in second place is they're tied on points with Liverpool, and but their cold goal differential is less than Liverpool, so they're in second place. Objectively, they are the second best team in the table. So that is where they are. There are huge games coming up for United. Huge. Ten-game unbeaten streak in the league coming from 14th and near the top in less than two months. This is one of Ali's runs. Ali keeps having these runs. But you wonder when it's going to end, I guess. If you are kind of like, what if? What if? What if this? What if that? There's a lot of matches left to go. Next match coming up is the semifinal against Sita. This is crucial. This is really crucial because this gives them an opportunity to get into a final for a trophy. If they win any trophy, any, I don't care if it's the battery acid cup. I know I bash that thing to death, but if they win a piece of silverware, even if it's battery acid silverware, that is going to be critical. That is going to put some legitimacy on this, on Ali, on the club, on everyone. Despite the looters, despite the Glazer looters, take it to them, show them. That's what I say. Manchester's burning. We are done. We are out. Look at the light, feel the light, know it's there. Embrace it. Know that the darkness is out there, but don't let it hug you. Manchester's burning is out. We're done for today.